Today's scripture comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 1 through 11 and 16 through 20. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever, your ho whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if a person of peace is there, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. Whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me, and whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. Indeed, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Summer is a great time for learning. Uh, we usually don't think of summer as the season where we do most of our learning. We try to take that as this, the, the season where we don't have to do much of anything. Um, but I've found that it's the perfect season to kind of maybe catch up on some of those things that um, maybe we don't always put at the priority list. You know, uh, It's time to catch up on some hobbies or some new skills or projects around the house that um, that maybe we need to work on that we've just been kind of putting off to the side and uh, the favorite the my favorite way to learn how to do those is just go to YouTube and find somebody else that knows how to do it and just try to copy them right but uh, summertime is that chance to catch up on um, some of those really important lessons on life that you don't really get a chance to practice other times during the year um, just yesterday I made sure we had this time set aside with my daughters to 
pass on this really deep wisdom that I've been waiting to as a father. And uh, we got ready and uh, taught them how to do handstands in a pool. <laughs> got to practice things like trying to see who can hold their breath underwater the longest while mom kind of freaked out a little bit to make sure everybody actually came back up. You know, all those really fun things, those lessons that you don't really get other times of the year. Um, just this week from other families in the church, I've got to see different Facebook videos and Instagram videos of people learning some new things. We've got youth that are learning how to drive. Uh, we've got uh, new candidates for ministry that are uh, preparing sermons and liturgies for the first time. And uh, just trying to kind of take those first steps into some larger lessons of life that, uh, uh, that now is the time of the year that's a perfect opportunity uh, to kind of shore up some of those, uh, some of those different things that, that maybe we hadn't had a chance to work on during the school year. Now, I have a way that I typically... Um, have learned that uh, I learned best, and it's called crawl, walk, run. Now, if any of y'all are familiar with this learning method, um, it, it really helps people like me that um, do one of two things. Um, I either um, feel like I should be an expert at something from the very beginning, so I just jump in right from the very start, just try to like just, just run as fast as I can to complete a project or to learn something new and find out very quickly that I am in over my head or I am running full speed uh, directly into a wall and things just kind of fall apart very quickly because I realize I don't have the skills, I don't have the lessons or the experience or uh, sometimes even the maturity to really have gotten myself into some situations because I didn't put the time in. I didn't put the hours in. I didn't actually really figure out what I needed to do to be successful in some things. Um, the other part is crawling. Uh, sometimes maybe I'm too afraid to really kind of take some larger steps and kind of stretch myself outside the comfort zone. And so I take things really slow. Um, but I found that if I break new things down, um, whether it's learning how to do a handstand in a pool, to driving a car, to fixing a lawnmower, uh, if I break things down into phases where maybe crawling is just becoming kind of familiar with the problem. Uh, what are, what are the, the goals that I'm hoping to achieve? What do I need to understand kind of overall? And then walking is getting my hands just a little bit dirty, getting involved a little bit, finding out where the, the pitfalls and the problems typically are, try something, it doesn't work. You're not really going at too much of a speed or you're not really so involved in the project that if you mess it up too much, uh, you've ruined everything. Um, but you're just kind of getting, getting your feel for it, finding out where your, your left and your right margins are so that you can make sure that you, you kind of know what needs to get done. And then running is you figured it out. You've figured out what the pitfalls are, you learn a couple lessons, you find out what works, what doesn't work, and now you're actually making some progress and learning something new or on a goal or an objective that you've kind of set for yourself. Um, and I found that this works pretty well most of the time. Uh, when it doesn't work is when I don't follow it. <laughs> And I just go sprinting off into problems and I build projects and get involved in things that um, just really just fall apart as soon as I get far enough down the road uh, outside of, uh, of any sort of safety net or, uh, you know, uh, mentoring or experience that somebody else might have could have given me. Or These are the type of situations that uh, my mother likes to say, see, I told you that was going to happen. <laughs> We're all kind of familiar with those kind of moments. 
But I got to see this kind of play out in real time uh, last weekend. So uh, after I left here last week, um, after the Sunday service, um, I, no, I wasn't here last week. I was at Drill last week, right? Yeah. So once I left Drill last week, I went back home to five screaming children and nieces and nephews having their first summer sleepover at my house. Julia had them all weekend. I only got to come after work on Sunday. (laughs) But um, of all of my nieces and nephews that came, uh, four of them were girls and one was a boy. And uh, my, my nephew, I asked him, I was like, are you sure you want to come hang out, you know, for the weekend? If everybody else, uh, you know, if it's just going to be girls. And he's like, well, I'm just going to hang out with you. I was like, all right. Guess we're playing video games. <laughs> like, this is going to be great. And, uh, and it was fun just trying to come up with things that I felt like he would be interested in. And uh, the one thing that, that his sights were set on, he kept asking me about it every time I talked to him on the phone getting ready to come down, was if we'd be able to play this one video game that I just bought on my Nintendo Switch called Switch Sports. Now, if any of y'all are familiar with Switch Sports, it's an interactive sports game that you hold the controls in your hand and you can do everything from uh, playing a volleyball game to playing tennis to sword fighting to bowling. Um, just this really fun kind of sports game. And, uh, and so he had been pumped up all weekend to play this sports game on the Nintendo Switch. And I was like, man, we are going to be able to kill hours with this thing. This is going to be awesome. And so we finally turned it on, and I said, hey, do you want to try sword fighting? And then he kind of got a little nervous, and he was like, I don't know if I want to try that. I don't know if I'm going to be good at it. And so inside my head, my internal dialogue was like, well, of course you're not going to be good at it. You've never played it in your life. I am going to completely destroy you. (laughs) It's going to be amazing. I've been waiting for this moment all weekend. Now, my external dialogue, what I actually said to him was, it's going to be fine, man. We're going to learn how to play together. And so we went through a tutorial together. He figured out what he needed to do with his hands. He figured out how it worked, what buttons he needed to push, and stuff like that. And so we, we kind of took steps, familiaring our, familiarizing ourselves with the rules of the game, figuring out what the goals were, figuring out how to move our arms and stuff like that, to finally being able to get to play. And it was awesome watching him kind of move through these steps and kind of figure out and get his confidence up and and really kind of feel like he was getting really good at this. And then for us to finally start playing and for me to just completely destroy him again. It was awesome. Just Just to watch that confidence just shatter away, right? But no, he got hooked. He got interested in it. He wanted to get really good and then he wanted to destroy me. And that became his goal for the whole rest of that day. So when I had to go to work on Monday, when I came back a few hours later, uh, man, guys, he was awesome. He had been devoting his entire morning to learning how to beat me in this game that he had only just learned. And as I was watching him play, as I came home from from work, I, I started noticing the players that he was playing were not actually computer players He was actually playing other people all across the world live and was just destroying them, was just doing amazing. And once he found out they were real people, he got a little freaked out and decided he he needed to go back to just playing the computer. But just watching how the confidence grew, 
in being able to learn something that at the beginning he thought he was going to be awful at. He thought he was going to be terrible. This isn't for me. I'm not really good at sword fighting. But then really kind of taking some steps to realize uh, that he can be pretty amazing. at something he didn't even really know existed just a little bit ago. And so whether it's playing a video game, whether it's learning how to do handstands in a pool, driving a car, things like that, um, what we find is all these are transferable to our discipleship and our faith as well. The way that we grow in our discipleship, the way that we take some steps in our discipleship. Some of us, uh, we may be on that, that part of that learning spectrum that, uh, man, we just get so pumped up, we feel like everything's going our way, and man, we just start running out in life insisting that God's got everything handled, and God does have everything handled, but sometimes God likes to teach us humility as well. And man, we just run right smack into that wall of reality of realizing that we don't have all of the answers in life. And then some of us, we might be more on the tentative side. It might be really hard for us to take those steps out on faith, to volunteer for something, or to, to, to stretch ourselves outside of our comfort zone, or uh, to say that I've always been sitting in the pews, and I've, I've always wondered what it would be like to, to sing in the choir, but, but never really having raised my hand to do it. This could be the season to do that. I plugged the choir for you. Yeah. They were, they were asking if we could talk about that. But we talk about those moments in faith that are just a little bit outside of our comfort zone that we're not even really sure how to do it. What's that next step in our faith? And so we come to a, a very interesting story in the gospel today. The sending out of the 70 or the sending out of the 72. That as Jesus gathered some followers around, it's interesting the conversations that have been occurring right before Jesus decides to do this. Because we've been hearing in our scriptures the last several weeks, Jesus has been talking about the cost of discipleship. How this is hard work to come and to follow him. That it requires sacrifice. It requires giving things up. It requires understanding what is most important in this life and committing ourselves wholly to that faith of following after Jesus. That this is difficult, hard work. And no matter how much Jesus seems to say that to the disciples, they seem to think, no, it's okay, I've got it figured out. This is going to be great. To the point that even before the scripture that we read today, with Jesus talking about how difficult discipleship is, there's three disciples right before this trying to argue with each other about which one of them is greatest. Which one of us gets to sit at the right hand of Jesus in the life to come? Which one of us has this figured out at all? Which one of us is racing this marathon of faith and man, we are going to beat everybody else? The super disciple. And Jesus is like, I'm not sure you guys understand what we're actually doing. And he talks about lessons that we've heard many times about the first will be last and the last shall be first. But really, what Jesus begins to do is set up an opportunity right here in this particular scripture that we read of saying, we've talked about how tough discipleship can be. We've talked about what discipleship can look like. Maybe it's time you guys put some hours in. I tell you what, we're going to send you out two by two. And we're going to send you to the cities and the towns that we're about to go into and I want you to do nothing as simple as just bringing peace with you. Just go and bring peace into the households and the cities, and maybe they'll receive you, maybe they won't. It'll be good for you either way. It'll build character. And he sends them out. And he said, I'll tell you what, this time, 
all of the safety measures that you had, all of the bright ideas and all of the things that you've put in your pocket and your bank accounts that have always bailed you out in the past before, I tell you what, don't even take those this time. Don't take your wallet, your purses, your bags, your shoes. Don't take extra bread. Don't take anything that you feel like might get you out of a situation that might be a little uncomfortable or tense or hard. Because when you come back, there will be no other testimony that you have other than that this was all possible because of God. There's not going to be anything else that you can blame this on other than the very presence and the Spirit of God going with you into the towns and the cities and the problems and the hurts and the hardships that you're going to find on the way. And I like to think that it's almost like Jesus uh, having a discipleship academy for his followers here, of saying, hey, I'm going to send you out, but with a little bit of supervision this time. Because Jesus is going to be coming through those towns and cities that he's sending them to. He's, he's going to know what happened. He's going to hear the stories of what went on before him as they go and try to prepare the way for him to come. And so they go out, and after some time, they come back. And what's amazing is these disciples are pumped up. Man, they're high-fiving each other. Man, they feel like they've been, they've been running that race. Man, it was awesome, Jesus. Man, we were healing the sick. Man, we were casting out demons. Man, there wasn't anything that could stand up against what we had. It was amazing. And so they're just so excited about everything that they were able to do. And it feels like, man, they're on top of the world. It feels like they, they've just kind of blown right past the, the crawling and the walking. And, man, they're just running in their faith because they have seen miracles happen out of the faith that they went to go share. And I think Jesus' reminder at the end of the Scripture is don't be so excited about the power that you have or the ability that you're excited about but rather that you're a part of something bigger than yourself. That you're a part of the kingdom of God, that you have eternal life and a life that's to come, and you've only been sharing small glimpses of what's to come. What you're so excited about now is just a taste of the fullness of the kingdom of God that's to come. And you get to share it now, to tell people that something greater is coming. That is a richer gift than any miracle or special power or ability that you have in this world. But something that truly sets people free. And I find it interesting, the number, 70 or 72, around 70 that Jesus sends out. Because we see that Jesus' ministry is growing. It's gone from Jesus walking around the lake and asking people to come follow him to then 12 people being able to go and to share the story and the gospel and following after Jesus and helping Jesus to now, now 70. Things are just growing in just incredible, incredible ways. And yet, maybe there's still some tentativeness for other followers as well. Because if you flip just a chapter or so before, we remember the story of Jesus feeding over 5,000 people. And of the 5,000 that came and listened to Jesus and experienced the miracles of Jesus and were in his presence and heard his teaching, those crowds that have been uh, searching for him all along the shores of the Sea of Galilee, now there's 70. 
70 of the at least 5,000 that were there just a little bit ago, not even counting women and children, of realizing that for some of us, we're still on the sidelines. Because we see what other disciples are doing, we see what other people are doing in their faith, and we say, well, that's just so amazing, but that's just not my gift. That's just not my calling. One of the, the most hurtful things that we have done in discipleship as Christians is try to professionalize it. I've insisted that there's some people called to ministry and other people not. That there's some people that help with kids and youth and worship and, and, and preaching and teaching. But that's just not my gift. The truth is, every single one of us is called to ministry. Every single one of us is called to bring peace into every space that we go and declare that the kingdom of God is near. My job is no different than yours. There's a few other rules that are different and there's a few other responsibilities that maybe don't show up on our, our job descriptions, but the truth is we are both called to the task of announcing that the reign of God is free and is here and it's amazing and it sets people free in a way that we've never imagined before. And we're afraid to take steps forward in that because we either rely too much on our own ability and we've crashed and burned too many times before, or we're too nervous or too hurt to take steps out, out of the shallow end of the pool. When we make vows to the church and our discipleship to uh, support each other, uh, to, to lean into our faith with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness, it's important to take this time in a season of uh, perhaps learning other things, of leaning into other hobbies or opportunities, of maybe some other things that we haven't put very high on our priority list this summer, to take a look at those, those vows, those promises that we've made, our discipleship and our faithfulness, and say, is there a way that I can continue to move forward? To even take the smallest step if needed, what way can I continue to have movement to my discipleship and step out on that faith and find myself at the edge of the comfort zone that I have where I've shed all of the safety nets that usually are used to bail me out in these circumstances and I have just simply gone where Jesus has called me to go and see what the Spirit of God stirs in those moments. Are there ways that we can increase our prayer life? Are there ways that we can increase our presence this summer? Are there ways that we can increase our gifts? Is there ways that we can increase our service? Are there ways that we can increase our witness? Now, what's unique about the body of Christ is uh, some of us are maybe more gifted in maybe one of those places than another. And so if there's somebody that you've seen or somebody you sit next to in church or somebody in your community or at your work that you see is especially good with generosity or is especially good with teaching or is especially good with prayer, now's an opportunity for us to be students, to take steps forward and say, how can I get better at this? What can I learn or how can I practice or how can I lean into this? And it might look like we're just crawling in our faith. But that is a faithful crawl. And maybe it looks like we're just walking. 
but that's just a couple steps faster than where we were. Or maybe we take a big step and we start running this year. We start making that big decision that we've been holding back on, realizing that God is calling us to something a little bit bigger that we've been nervous about running into, but we're ready to just see where God is having us run towards. Because whether you're crawling, you're walking, or you're running, when we move forward in our faith, we're growing and allowing the world to see that hope, that love, that mercy, that reign of the kingdom of God because we're bringing it with us and more people come to know that love of Christ. Amen and amen. Will you pray with me? Almighty and gracious God, you call each and every one of us. And the greatness about this story that we've read today is that you don't call us alone, but you call us together. You sent out people in teams and pairs and community because you've reminded us that we need each other, that you've called us to be your people, that we learn from each other, encourage each other, that we lift each other up, but God, that we go with your spirit that calls us into a life that is bigger than anything we have ever imagined. Help us to grow in our discipleship this year, in our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness, that even the smallest steps forward we can take today will add up to greater life and hope for the world and where we find ourselves. As we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen and amen.